Just imagine that your startup went ballistic. What do you think the greatest challenge would be? Mm, keeping up. It'd be just like putting off fires in every single area of the business, being able to cope with it probably. Trying to not get ahead of myself. I've basically got the next 20 years planned out in my head and the vision that I want to get to. So if it went nuts, it would be still trying to always do the next important step, which I'm still trying to learn and execute today. The greatest challenge, I believe, would be having to find the right team handing over responsibility and trusting, actually, just trusting other people to put as much commitment and care into something that is yours, essentially. For We Teach Me, this is the Masters Series, where industry professionals share their secrets to business success. I'm Serpil Shenelmish from Written and Recorded, and in this episode of Master Series, our startup is about to take off. We've put in the hard work to build our business, the customers are happy, the investors are excited, and we're scaling up. It's time to find some employees, fast. Joe Woodham is the founder at Tory, specialising in IT recruitment. Joe has helped build the teams of some of Australia's best-known startups. So when I started out, as weird as it sounds, I went straight to one of my competitors and I got their advice. And they were open with the information. They were more than happy to sort of go, this is how we started, this is people you should speak to. And I've always gone and spoken with my competitors. We'll hear from Joe shortly, but first a founder who strapped themselves to the rocket as their startup took off. Andrew Hardwick founded the strategic creative agency Hard Edge in his home. And 12 years later, the award-winning agency counts Mercedes-Benz, Telstra and Mercer among their clients. In this fireside chat with We Teach Me's Wayne Lewis, Andrew reveals that even though things went well in the early days of Hard Edge, he struggled with the isolation of working alone at home. So he got an office, and before long, his startup was taking off. I'm a trained graphic designer, and that's where I used to uh, find my passion and do my thing. So I used to, uh, in high school, I was doing logos for companies and stuff wherever I could. And, and earning a dollar. So I was always sort of wanting to do my own thing. And looking back now, I can say that I guess people change as they, you know, move through life, but I also would say it wasn't that clear and formulated as you'd probably like it to be. So I just knew I wanted to try and get out and do my own thing. And the fact that it changed into something different quite quickly probably shows that I was finding my feet. Yeah. about what that would be. So was there a strategic plan around that in the early stages or was it kind of just get up and go out and do it and see what happens? I don't think I knew what strategy was when I started, <laughs> um, to be honest. Well, I had a plan as far as, I did it what I like to think is the smart way. So I had a certain amount of money I was earning each year and I went out and that wasn't affected at all. So at least I was earning the same income and I was starting something from scratch. But as far as a plan goes, you know, it was just get out and then try and grow the business. And, uh, you know, I had some leads, some people to talk to, all that sort of stuff. But it was certainly a risk. But a risk from point of view is the worst that could happen is I have to go and find a job again. So, yeah. So after launching then, was it everything you expected it to be? Kind of, did you have a picture built up in your mind before then? And 
Well, I started working from home in a small one-bedroom apartment, so I had a definite picture. I knew every wall, but it was funny. Like, two months in, I was sitting there one day at my desk and doors opened. It was a beautiful sunny day outside. Here I was living my dream. You know, I was seeing a girl I was very happy about. I had a car that I always wanted to buy in the garage, and this is a good life. And I actually felt this sort of wave of depression come over me. It was like, what's wrong with me? And I just realised it was the isolation of doing that that there was struggle. So I didn't see that one coming, so it wasn't initially what I probably imagined. So um, I then went out and got an office and started to try and make sure I got more contact with people. So talking about changing behaviours yourself, did you feel as though that was probably one of the most important things in your entrepreneurial journey? What do you say in being able to evolve and adapt and understand your needs a little bit more? Yeah, I think, well, you think you know something about business and went out and I didn't really know anything, you know, had no experience really and if you're not exposing yourself to outside influences then you're not growing and you're not learning and so I think that was my big learning early on that I had to expose myself to be able to, to grow and move the business. So when you decided to grow the bit, or when you were able to grow the business and when you got your head above the water, kind of what were your main focuses then? What was your attention drawn to? Yeah, it's a hard one to answer. I think I was literally just focused on trying to find the next gig, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I was trying to meet people and trying to find avenues of getting new work and, and probably not focusing on the right things, you know. I was a sole trader at the end of the day, so I didn't have to sort of put a lot of systems in place and that kind of thing, but I wasn't strategically thinking about it, if that makes sense. Yeah, so whereas now you're probably able to pick and choose some of the people that you work with and be a bit more selective, would you say? Do my best. Yeah. As an agency, and it's been important for myself, the agency, but also the staff. We've had to sack a few clients along the way, and I make no apologies for that. There's a certain way to treat people or talk to people, and there's good business and there's bad business as well. And so life's too short to waste your time spending it with those that don't want to move forward or work in a collaborative way. Yeah, so, yeah. sure. Your business, obviously, it works a lot around telling stories for other brands. What would be your advice to the people out there about telling a story about their brand and getting their message out there? That's a very big question, Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> I think at the end of the day, quite simply, there has to be some sort of plan there that's founded with a truth about the business, about yourselves, that is actually something that you have proof points against. So to have a, a brand value proposition that has meaning and substance behind it is key to move forward. and. It constantly changes. I mean, as a business, we are constantly evaluating our brand value proposition as well. So, and further to that, you know, having a story, like knowing your why and, and all that kind of thing is, is also very important. Not just from an external point of view, but from an internal point of view. If you don't personally engage and relate to what you're doing and how you're doing it, you're probably not going to do it very well. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Sure. So what does the future hold for Hard Edge? What are the kind of things that you're working on at this moment in time and yeah, into the future? We've probably tightened our proposition in the last three months. So we're currently moving the type of work that we've been doing to something new. And funnily enough, those conversations that we're having now are so much easier and fluid because we're even more sure about who we are, where we're going and what we want to do. So the current projects, we still work with those brands mentioned at the start. And that's sort of day in and day out kind of work, which we will stay with, but it's probably more trying to tap into those bigger projects that 
change behaviour and, you know, getting onto those uh, pitch panels and what have you. And government's an area that we haven't had a lot of work in previously and that's a whole new minefield that I'm probably starting to try and get an understanding of. Yeah. And then just touching a little bit on the future of work then, so within your organisation, are you kind of utilising the gig economy? Do you have people that are working maybe sometimes on shorter contracts and things like that? Or how do you see the future of it? Yeah, well, growth is a bit of a struggle, a juggling act of having enough work for the people that are there. And, and uh, you know, it's a service-based industry, so we charge by the hour. So to make sure that we have a sustained growth is a challenge, and so you do have to look at those other options. We've always used freelancers and you know we've got freelancers we work with on a daily basis but we can't justify obviously having uh, them there permanently so it's um, as far as the future goes we, we do a program with Swinburne University around road safety and it's now a mandatory program with the design communication students. We've been running that for three years now and we're taking it to Sydney next year. This is something that we're very passionate about but it's actually become quite a proof point around the type of work that we're capable of doing and wanting to do. So it's probably moving, you know, just as I said, that type of work that we're doing in the future. And touching a little bit on the passion there, obviously you've done quite a lot of work around the road safety elements. What was it that led you to that initially? I guess, well, I've always been interested in cars and so I ended up working on car magazines and so forth when I was younger. And, and I guess, you know, I had a network from there and I also had an interest there and I got involved probably five years ago at the inception of the National Road Safety Partnership Program, of which Hard Edge is now a partner of, but I also sort of sit on committees and so forth from time to time. And it's just, you know, there's so many dumb little things that we do that you just become passionate about trying to make, make change in that area, so. And do any of your current staff members share their passions with you and talk about maybe going their own way? And do you, are you open to those types of conversations with your staff members? Yeah, of course. I mean, everyone is their own individual and whether they want to be in my business or whether they want to be somewhere else, that's where they should be. So I always try and support people in their own interests. I'm lucky to have a couple of guys that work very closely with me. Um, the strategy director and creative director are, are both very passionate about the business and the direction we're going. So there's no way I'd be able to take the business in that direction without their support. And some staff probably would rather work on sort of different things that are probably more tangible to themselves and so forth, but you can't sort of do that. But the work is, I think, the variety of work creates the interest there for those sort of people. Yeah, yeah. brilliant. Can we have a round of applause, please, for Andrew? So sometimes you have to sack a few clients along the way to work with people that align with your values. That's an interesting perspective from Andrew. We'll hear from team builder and IT recruitment specialist Joe Woodham right after this. Master's Series is presented by We Teach Me. In addition to offering a wide range of classes, We Teach Me is a booking system that helps teachers and schools reach their students. If you have a skill to share, you can find your pupils with weteachme.com. This podcast is produced by Written and Recorded. Did you hear the one about the journalists that started a podcast company to capture and release the stories of businesses? Head to writtenandrecorded.com to get your story out there. No joke. And now, back to the podcast. Thanks, Ad Guy. 
Joe Woodham is the founder of Tory, who specialise in IT recruitment. Like Andrew, he got started in business at home. Joe's talking to We Teach Me's Wayne Lewis in this fireside chat. He says initially the fear of other people's judgment and the fear of returning to a nine to five job was his most powerful drivers. I come from a sales background, I got offered a job in recruitment and I had absolutely no idea what recruitment was at the time and less about IT, so I sort of jumped in. Uh, the next couple of years I had my journey from sort of a small recruitment company to a global, learned quite a lot along the way and towards the end I started to really specialise in what I did and in doing so I started to build a personal brand and really started to build some really good relationships with the businesses that I was working with at the time. And in doing so, I started to notice that there was quite a large gap in the market in terms of the way the recruitment company that I was working for at the time was asking me to deliver my services and then the way that my clients wanted me to deliver what I was doing. So in 2012 or 2011, I kind of decided, well, I've always wanted to run my own business. It's probably now or never. I saved up a bit of money so I could uh, sort of float myself for a couple of months and go, all right, let's give it a crack and see what we can do. So in 2012, I started working from home, which back then, I guess it wasn't as common, but it was quite enjoyable. And after a couple of weeks, I made my first deal with my first client, which uh, was a small tech company at the time called Redbubble. And I think closing my first deal, it kind of gave me that realization, wow, I can actually do this. There's a future and I probably can make this work. So. I was quite lucky. My first client being Redbubble, at the time they were pretty small, but they grew quite rapidly. So I kind of tacked my business onto the back of their growth, I suppose, and I learned a lot from that journey. I was working pretty closely with the CTO there at the time, and they kind of gave me a lot of guidance in what they wanted me to do. And I was able to shape what I was doing with them and offer that service to other clients and, and sort of grow around that. In that, I was really focusing on trying to build a personal brand and leverage my niche that I had found and cut into that. So I was trying to do things differently to what other recruiters were and I think that's, that's where I really sort of hit my strides and, and found a lot of growth. And were there any moments a little bit like Andrew where you're working from home and you thought to yourself, you know, maybe this is a bit of a depression phase or any hurdles in those early days for you? Not a depression phase. I think the fear of failure was my biggest issue at the start. Like you have a few wins at the start, but then you have a few things that don't go your way. And I don't know, I've always put a lot of pressure on myself to try and move forward as quick as possible. And having people kind of looking at you going, all right, you've given up a good job to go out on your own and sort of judge you, I suppose, more than anything. So I put my pressure back to make sure that I am doing things right and succeeding. And I think that was my biggest issue was I was always worried that I'd have to go back and get another job and that that scared the shit out of me and it still, it, it did for a long time. Mm -hmm. And going back to relationship building and understanding the needs of your clients, what were some of the key things you were learning early on about the relationship building process? Recruitment's pretty standard. What our job is, is to go out and find the best talent and deliver that for your client. But I think trying to forget what other people were telling you to do from a recruitment perspective and just listening to each client. Each client's very, very different uh, and they want recruitment done in an individual style. So really just working with them as a business and trying to deliver what they need rather than what I think they need. So for me, I guess building the relationship was really just trying to work closely with my clients, understand who they were, what they wanted and just deliver that. Obviously you're wearing a lot of hats at this stage. Can you share some insights as kind of all the different roles you had taken on board when starting out? 
All right, so shit got real when I closed my first deal. I had no idea what an invoice was. Um, so I've closed my first deal. I was like, okay, how do I get paid? That's kind of things. Then I started to understand, all right, there's a lot more to the back end of this business side of things. I really need to actually get into gear and start learning a few things. So I think the entire journey, every stage, I've been learning a ton. And that's probably where the passion comes in. I absolutely love every time there's a challenge throwing my weight to try and work out, okay, how do I overcome this? What's next? But every step, like hiring a person, oh crap, I have no contract to be able to offer an employee. What do we do here? Oh crap, I need to see legal to work out what we actually need to make this work. Yeah. It's, it's been interesting. What would be some of the key things that you would probably look to tap into if you were maybe in the audience this evening? So when I started out, as weird as this sounds, I went straight to one of my competitors and I got their advice. I was like, how did you start? What did you do? And as strange, as weird as that might seem to people, they were open with the information. They were more than happy to sort of go, this is how we started, this is people you should speak to. And I've always gone and spoken with my competitors because as much as they're my competitors, they're my biggest allies as well. Like we still share clients, we compete on the same work, but we're in the same industry, we should get along. Yeah, and are you willing to share any of your learnings as well with somebody that's the new kid on the block, for example? 100%. I catch up with a lot of people who come to me for advice. I think it swings in roundabouts. So the more I give, the more people give back to me. And every time I have an issue or I need something, I just ask people and they usually are more than happy to give it to me. So that would probably be my biggest piece of advice is don't be afraid to ask for what you want. People are always willing to help. Well, most of the time. And if you could go back to your earlier days, is there anything that you would do different? Oh, there's, there's a ton of things I'd do differently, but I'm pretty stubborn, so I'd probably still do it the same way, make all the dumb mistakes, spend as much money doing stupid shit. But I think it's, it's all a part of the process. Like, you come out the other side better off for it, but um, no, I've enjoyed my journey. And are you actively setting goals? Can you give us some insights into how you maybe set them if you do? I'm a bit of a dreamer, so everything I've always done, like all of my clients, six months to a year before I actually start working with them, I'll realize, okay, why do I want to work with these people? What benefit for them? What's the benefit for me? I'll be, okay, in a year's time, what would it look like if I was actually working with them? And that's probably one of the biggest successes I've had is every client that I've ever wanted to work with, I've worked with. So giving some insights to um, the sales process. So some people in the audience may not think they've got a strong sales background. Is there anything that you feel as though they maybe could focus on to try and get their first sale? It's interesting. I feel like people think sales is a dirty word, but I, I really think what sales is, it's information aggregating. We're giving people advice or information that they need to make a decision. If I was going to buy a house, it doesn't matter what you say. If I like the house, I'm going to buy the house. If I don't like the house, I'm not going to buy the house. What your job is, is to give me the information and the facts about it. That's what sales is. So I don't think you should be afraid of asking people for stuff or I guess selling your services because people, are, if they're not buying from you, they're buying from someone else. So just give them the information that they need to make the right decision. If you're thinking like where you are now, what does the future hold for you and your company? Well, our business has done a massive pivot in the last six months. So I built Tory Recruitment off the back of working for small to medium-sized businesses. So we've been pretty lucky to work with some pretty cool startups. But in the last six months, we've made a bit of a transition to doing pure contract work, which startups can't really afford to do pure contract work. So we're working mainly with sort of 
large corporates now. So the pivot for us, it's really focusing on the large end of town and getting contractors out rather than worrying about permanent revenue. You talked about things when it was things were taking off for you, when obviously you launched your business and things were going well. Were you quite sensible in decision making or were you getting carried away with the journey? I think I got caught up in the ego side of growing a business. So I actually started to try and grow through growing my staff numbers rather than growing the revenue. And that was more, of, like I thought at the time, probably a bit more of a building of brands and how I looked to the industry. Whereas it probably wasn't the smartest decision and it was a waste of money and, and I probably didn't manage my staff as well as I should have. So I think in hindsight, I probably should have done that very differently. I've grown a lot slower and not hired as many people to try and, I guess, boost the numbers. And mm-hmm. How long did it take you to realise this? Probably a year. Oh, it's probably been two years of um, growing, then shrinking, then growing, then shrinking. And then sort of now I've realised that, okay, maybe that's not the best option. The market's reacting very different and that's not the model that I think is congruent with what we want to be doing in the market. Can we have another round of applause for Joe Wooden, please? Thank you very much, Joe. Wow, I never would have thought to build a relationship with my competitors, let alone ask for their help. But that's some great advice there from Joe. Don't be afraid to ask for what you want. That's the key takeaway. Next time on Masters Series, How I Built My Business. As every founder knows, there's more to building a business than a business plan on the back of a napkin and a great idea. We'll meet two founders with skills in influencing others to join your mission and all the nitty gritty that goes along with starting a business. Until then, I'm Serpil Shenelmish from Written and Recorded, and for We Teach Me, this is the Masters Series. <laughs>